bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. You want a sandwich? Dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad it's been a crazy college season so far in college football with the firing of Coach Fitzgerald at Northwestern to the firing of Mel Tucker at Michigan State, to more and more conference realignment, to the college football playoffs, trying to figure out what it's going to do in the future, to the sign-stealing saga at Michigan. Well, I have the latest, and I will give it to you here next, here on the JB's. Low Tech Podcast. When you need someone to listen, a lawyer you know and trust. In a world filled with distractions, one law firm stands tall, fighting for justice. Bradshaw and Bryant. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. We take our mission very seriously. Our firm is dedicated to representing those who have suffered due to the fault of others, especially when they're distracted by their phones. Four seconds. That's all it takes to travel the length of a football field. But those same four seconds can change lives forever. Don't be the person who causes irreversible damage to others or yourself. Put your phone down when you're behind the wheel and be aware of your surroundings. Bradshaw and Bryant have championed the rights of the injured for over three decades. We excel at what we do. Bradshaw and Bryant is ready to fight for you. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Seeking justice for the injured. JB's Low Tech Podcast. That was a very odd song that it played on purpose because this whole Connor Stallion sign stealing thing has been odd. That was Beatbox 1 and 2 into battle by a group called Art of Noise. So I don't know if you remember Art of Noise, but I felt as though it was. Uh, the song to be played as I delve deeper into the Michigan sign-stealing scandal. So this is what we know so far. Connor Stallions, a uh, ladder climber. I call him a wackadoodle. People, it is a ailment, inf uh, infection, 
an issue in college athletics today. And the biggest one is ladder climbers. That's what I call these people who has aspirations for getting bigger and better jobs. They don't uh, want to do it the old-fashioned way and work their way through. They want to prove themselves right away and climb over other people as they get to the top and have learned nothing about the business and no, learned nothing about the profession and position that they want to gain. And unfortunately, college athletics right now is full of those people and as they climb the ladder, they are afraid of the people below them who will expose them. But that's just my opinion, right? Well, anyway, this ladder climber, Wackadoodle, which I've always believed was acting on his own, and his manifesto will prove that once you read it or we get a chance to read it or get more information of it. His goal was to become the Michigan head coach in 15 years on what qualifications? You were a former uh, military person, and Michigan found it that they would um, give you a shot to be a low-level analyst. You're not even a full-time assistant. You're a low-level an analyst. Analysts, basically, or glorified uh, GA back in the day where they would break down film write up the play cards of the other team to show you what they run in practice. And then the scout team would mimic those cards and uh, get the starters and the, and the number twos and maybe some number threes in the depth chart ready for the next team. It has nothing to do with sign stealing. Everybody does that. That's just how you uh, get the scout team to play as practice goes on. And uh, it's just normal. Everybody does it. Now, this wackadoodle thought he would gain favor, and I guess he did in some ways, by taking his own money, the idiot buying tickets at other sites in his own name. Then he would show up, or friends of his would show up to uh, claim those tickets and then stand in the, in the uh, spot that they bought the tickets at, didn't even move, go to a different location. They would stand in the spot they bought the tickets at and hold up a filming device. Most of the time it was a, a, a cell phone camera or whatever and record the other team signals. And then he would spend probably the next two days watching the game tape, watching the TV replay and matching up against the signals that they gained. Now, you would say that, you know, somebody had to put him up to this. Believe me, believe me, people, when you got these ladder climbers, this infection in your program, all they know is to do whatever it takes to get to the next position. It's full, like I said, college athletics is full of this from athletic directors, assistant athletic directors, coaches, assistant coaches, equipment managers, trainers, academic people, compliance people, name it, who think that they can climb the ladder any way possible and do anything to other people to better their position. 
It wasn't that way when I first got into college and athletics in 1980. We all looked out for each other. We all looked out for the person who truly deserved the elevation in their position. But now with these ladder climbers, and again, that's not just my term. That is, that is the general term used for people who are out to elevate themselves. These damn ladder climbers will do anything. And this wacker doodle counter stallions is a prime example of it so he went through this elaborate thing he gathered favor with the michigan coaches and you know it's the coaches thought this guy was good at watching the other team's film and what you could pick up on tv and give signals now maybe some of them knew that he he was taking the extra steps but I don't think a lot of them knew. I just think they were happy with the information they were getting. And they were like, hey, let's keep this guy around because he's really helping. I don't think they knew what steps this clown was taking to do this. And you people can stand around and go, oh, yeah, sure, sure. Believe me, I've seen tons of people who will do whatever it takes to do that. So schools in the Big Ten... And nobody clearly knows how every all of this started to get pieced together, who was the whistleblower, and it was not Rutgers, who's everybody's like, well, their coach was like something phony at halftime. He was talking about the poor refereeing of the game that he had that day. But the coaches at different institutions started putting pieces together, and maybe it might have just been ticket offices like hey this guy keeps popping up at this game and that game or his name does or whatever but somebody tipped the ncaa who then tipped off the big 10 and nobody knows who the original uh tippers were to the ncaa you got to understand something the ncaa for good or worse has been after Jim Harbaugh for the past three years or so, ever since COVID, when Jim illegally saw a recruit and had breakfast with him during COVID when it was a recruiting dead period. And for those who don't know what that means, you have different periods of contact with athletes. You have a dead period. You, and there's other periods where you can and cannot see, but a dead period means absolutely no contact, no phone calls, no in-person meetings, no official visits, no unofficial visits, no nothing, no contact whatsoever. And so during the pandemic, all schools, all sports would literally drop to a dead period recruiting and basically, you were making your decisions. And this is why, over the past couple of years, talent has floated all over the place. And, and yeah, the transfer portal had something to do it. But the coaches had made decisions on athletes without seeing their senior year and without re having them in for official visits. And they've all missed on recruits because they, either for the good or the bad, because they had to make decisions on what they knew of them 
from their sophomore and junior years. But I digress. Jim saw a couple of recruits during that period. There was other schools that got busted on this too. Uh, Arizona State comes to mind. Uh, our buddy Herm Edwards, who's now back at ESPN, did it big time to the point where they had um, whistleblowers in their his own coaching staff who blew the whistle on him just because they knew this wasn't supposed to be going on. So when Michigan did it, uh, they were found uh, guilty of breaking the rule. The infraction committee was trying to lay down a punishment. Michigan, there was a committee within the NCAA that agreed to, uh, and this was the infraction or, or, organization within the NCAA, uh, agreed to a four-game suspension at the beginning of this season. Remember, he served a three-game suspension, but it was four, and they kind of fought it, but then Michigan's like, okay, we'll take the four. That's fine. But then a different panel in the NCAA didn't accept that, so then Michigan just self-imposed self a three-game suspension, which was their first three games of the season against a bunch of nobodies. And from that point on, the NCAA has been out to embarrass Michigan and especially Jim Harbaugh. That whole recruiting thing is still dangling out there, but Michigan was going along and the NCAA was, and you got to remember the NCAA is made up of its member institution. There's not like a guy behind the curtain in the Wizard of Oz who solely makes all the decision. There are panels that are made up by uh, member institutions. That's, that's all the schools that agree to play in the NCAA. Remember, the NCAA is a voluntary uh, association, and the members are made up of the schools. If you don't want to be a part of the NCAA, you don't have to, but then you don't get to play in their sanctioned sports and their sanctioned championships. So all the schools agree, yeah, we'll be a part of the NCAA. But like I said, it's not like one person controls the NCAA. It is the 300 and something member schools at the Division One level, and then on, you know Division Two, II, Division Three, and so forth and so forth. That is a point I'm going to keep driving home here on my podcast because nobody, not a lot of other people, do because they're lazy. But again, I digress. So the NCAA has been out to embarrass Michigan. Somebody tips them off about, hey, this guy, this Connor Stallion guy keeps popping up at stadiums at Central Michigan sideline wearing their coaching shirts and a, a team hat or whatever. And as I stated last podcast, he didn't go somewhere and buy that. Somebody somewhere said, hey, dress this guy out. And I told you, as a 40-plus year equipment manager at the University of Minnesota, if somebody came to me and said that, that meant I'm supposed to give him a hat, a shirt, and whatever else I could 
to make them look like the rest of us. Central Michigan, they got questions to answer too. But anyway, they allowed him on the sideline too against Michigan State. So he was on a sideline across from Michigan State stealing signals. I have no doubt he is guilty of stealing signs. There is a uh, rule that was just passed in the NCAA because they couldn't bust basketball coaches and cheating because it always seemed like it just stopped at the assistant coach level, whatever rule breaking was going on. So the rule reads that the head coach is responsible for anybody and everybody behavior below them. And I have been firsthand been part of this where when I traveled with softball and was in the dugout and I just grabbed my cell phone once to just check the time. And there was another time where I checked my phone because I was expecting a message from the people who were going to do our laundry to tell me when and where I can drop it off. And the coaches screamed at me to put that away because there could be no electronic devices in the dugout. And if we were caught, I would get thrown out of the game and our head coach would be thrown out. And that's the extent of that rule, meaning that because Connor Stallions, no matter if Jim Harbaugh and his other assistants knew what he was doing or not, Jim Harbaugh is still responsible for his behavior. And that's what the Big Ten is nailing him and the Michigan team staff and Jim Harbaugh with is that he needs to be in control of his staff and his players at all time. Well, this is Friday, November 10th, the day before they play Penn State in their big Michigan's biggest game of the year. Jim Harbaugh was told by Tony Petiti the commissioner of the Big Ten, that he has been suspended for the next three games. There are only three games left in the regular season, and those games are Penn State, Maryland, and, of course, Ohio State at the end of the season. Now, Tony Petiti was caught between a rock and a hard place. The other athletic directors, because their coaches were head coaches were whining, wanted Tony Petiti to take action. Tony then met with the coaches who wanted action and told Tony they wanted action and what action they wanted. And when they didn't think Tony was acting fast enough, called ESPN and other outlets and told them about the meeting and how it went and what was said. So. Don't talk about honor because clearly there is no honor or sportsmanship amongst the other coaches who would then turn around and leak the information about what they had said. Plus, it was found out that other schools got together. It was Ohio State and somebody else got together and gave Purdue Michigan's signs for last year's Big Ten a title. They gave him a sheet of signals and signs. So there's no honor amongst thieves. Now it seems like the Big Ten is going to turn a blind eye to that. And again, I think it's just because, you know, they got more on Michigan because he was in person. But sign stealing is sign stealing. But 
when they met with Tony and demanded, 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 Tony finally gave in today, which is uh, a federal holiday, Veterans Day, and suspended Jim Harbaugh because he thought that Michigan would not be able to go to a federal or state judge and get an injunction. Some believe Michigan have has actually probably tried to and maybe has one. But as of this time, 7.41 p.m. on November 10th, the day before the Penn State game, there's been no announcement of that. Now, there's been other tentacles that have come out I've heard some interviews of former Michigan players who have turned announcers whose tone was actually pretty threatening. And it made me believe that would Michigan leave the Big Ten? I don't know where they would go. Would they go to the ACC? Would they go independent? Would they go to the SEC? Well, we know they can't go to the Pac-12 because that won't exist at the end of this year. And I doubt if they would go to the Big 12. I just thought of that as these people angrily talked about how the conference has embarrassed itself and how Michigan may not want to be a part of this anymore. No more than a half hour after I said that, a lawyer (laughs) or somebody from the University of Michigan leaked. God, these people leak everything leaked that the board of directors or the board of regents at the University of Michigan have discussed leaving the conference, leaving the Big Ten, leaving their home over this nonsense. Should they not uh, lawyer up or should they lawyer up? Should they leave the Big Ten? This is... You think this this story has been crazy? This is only the beginning of this story. This story is going to get crazier. And that's why I played that music at the time, that crazy song that I played at the beginning, The Art of Noise, because the noise of this story is only going to get louder and louder and louder. And I know what you think. Michigan won't leave the Big Ten. Well, people thought USC and UCLA wouldn't leave the Pac-12, or Oklahoma and Texas wouldn't leave the Big 12. People get angry. People overreact. Schools overreact. You still got um, Florida State and Clemson uh, threatening to leave the the ACC. Anything's possible these days. It will be interesting to see tomorrow if he's on the sideline with an injunction. Or if he just tells the Big Ten to go screw himself, or if he actually obeys the edict and doesn't show up. He's in state college right now with the team. He's been seen getting on the plane and getting off the plane and at the team's hotel. Now, the ruling states that he can coach the team Monday through Friday or Sunday through Friday, but he can't be there on Saturdays for game day. He can't be in a press box. He can't be in separate tickets or whatnot. He can't be at the site. But he can coach the team, set the, um, set the tone, 
set the plays and everything else for that week's game, but he can't be there on game day Saturday. So like I said, this is only the beginning. This story has so many tentacles, and this story isn't going to go quietly in the night. Is the NCAA overplaying its hands, trying to get the Big Ten to do what they couldn't do, which was to get Jim Harbaugh? Has Tony Petiti signed his death note after his contract is up? He just started this year. But remember, it is the member institutions of the Big Ten who would vote on retaining him after this contract is up, meaning that or the other 13 schools at this point happy with what he did? Or could Michigan stab him in the back somehow at that time and get enough help from other schools to not bring him back once his contract is up? There are many things in play here, people. Many things. I just touched on the ones that I know of or can think of, but buckle up, enjoy this ride, because it's going to be crazy. Well, this was going to, this was just going to be a short one. It was an emergency pod on what the latest was on this. So I'll be back to wrap this up here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. In a world that's racing a mile a minute, a split-second distraction can change everything. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. Every day we see too many people, heads buried in their phones, unaware of the dangers they're in. Texting and driving isn't just reckless, it's playing Russian roulette with your life and the lives of others. In just four seconds of distraction, you've driven the length of a football field. Is there any text message that's worth your life, that's worth the lives of others? I've been fighting for the rights of the injured for over 30 years but I'd rather you never meet me in a courtroom. So hear me now, stop texting and driving. Pay attention, value your lives and the lives around you. And if you won't, know this, at Bradshaw and Bryant, we're relentless. We won't back down. We bring justice to those that need it. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. With Mike Bryant on your side, seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant. Well, that was Moments in Love, also by Art of Noise. Again, I just thought I'd bring some weird music because this is going to be a weird podcast today. We'll see. Michigan against the world, they're calling it, or Michigan against everybody. They already got T-shirts, hats, skull caps, toboggans, if you call it, toboggan, a knit hat. They That's what... The, People down south call a knit hat, a toboggan. 
us people up north call a toboggan a slit. But I digress. It uh, is going to be interesting in the next three weeks to see what happens, to see if Michigan continue to win. They're undefeated. They're ranked number two in the country. This, or I'm sorry, number three in the country to see if they can um, continue to win. Also, I got to make a correction. My last podcast, I talked about Tubby Tuberville. I mean, Tommy Tuberville. He is the senator in Alabama, and he would not be eligible to be the uh, Speaker of the House. He tried to weigh... Uh, favor with his fellow Republicans that fail, but he was not in the running because he's not a member of the House. He is one of the two senators of the state of Alabama. I want to thank Mike Bryant, my sponsor, for reminding me of that, and also thank him for his sponsorship of this program. And now let me reach deeper, a little bit deeper into the mailbag. I have a couple of emails from a buddy I used to play 50 and older baseball with, Forrest. Uh, Forrest said, thanks, JB. Great podcast. I listened to the whole thing and then watched the highlights of the Eric Van Ruin win that I had recorded but hadn't watched and wasn't aware of. I'm going to have my friend John Biesenberg listen to it. You met him after you restored a baseball glove for him. Yes, remember, jbsgloverepair.com. I actually do restore and repair gloves. I know that he, he would appreciate hearing about Van Royen and also about the stuff you talked about about Bobby Knight. John was on the basketball team when we were in high school at Dinah High, and he played one year at Arizona State before giving it up to focus on his pre-med studies. Can read it pretty quick here. Well, I guess not. My uh, phone is not allowing me to pull that up. So, but also, like I said, I got the email from uh, Mike telling me about my blunder. And uh, I believe there might have been one other email I received about shows lately. Oh, yes, uh, from Joel in Minneapolis. And if people know, I used to work under Joel, so if you know who that is, more power to you. His comment about my uh, segment on Bobby Knight. Bobby Knight, certainly complicated, impacted my life, and he's also stated I hope you're well. Joe, I'm well. Getting even closer and closer to those that day of retirement, that day of transport, myself transport portaling off the U of M campus, but we still got a little bit to work there for. With that, as usual, tell a friend, keep listening, podcast, I mean, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, and other outlets. Thank you for listening here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. JB is my name, and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. Right on.
Negro, Black, African American, Black, Black, Black. Django, J. B. Damn, Dolomite. Great God in heaven, you know. J. B. Our great Negro sex machine.